On this episode of Leadership Lessons in Health System Pharmacy, you will hear from Dr. Chet Kayser, Chief Pharmacy Officer and Vice President Operations at Nationwide Children's Hospital, as we discuss EIQ and apply it to pharmacy leadership. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Leadership Lessons in Health System Pharmacy. I'm your host, Dr. Robert Weber, Chief Pharmacy Officer and Administrator of Pharmacy Services at The Ohio State University Wexner Medical Center. Powered by the Ohio State University Lachalet Leadership Program, this show is designed to keep current and aspiring health system pharmacy leaders up to date with issues, trends, and best practices affecting our profession. You can learn more about the Lashley Leadership Program and the Ohio State University's College of Pharmacy MS in Health System Pharmacy Administration and Leadership by visiting go.osu.edu forward slash pharmacy leadership. That's go.osu.edu forward slash pharmacy leadership. Chet received his Doctor of Pharmacy degree from Ohio Northern University and his Master of Business Administration degree from The Ohio State University. As a Chief Pharmacy Officer and Vice President, Dr. Kayser is responsible for the strategic vision, administration, and safe operations of anesthesiology, home care, pharmacy, the Poison Control Center, professional and community education, and radiology services at Nationwide Children's. Dr. Kayser has focused on strategic planning and talent management, pharmacy practice advancement, and implementing innovative services with the goal of achieving best outcomes for patients. Prior to joining Nationwide Children's in 2013, Dr. Kayser served as Regional Director of Operations for Pharmacy Systems Incorporated. Chet is a past president of the Ohio Pharmacists Association, has served on advisory groups for the American Society of Health System Pharmacists, and is an assistant clinical professor at the Ohio State University College of Pharmacy. He also serves as the Residency Program Director for the Master of Science Health System Pharmacy Administration and Leadership Program at Nationwide Children's. Okay, let's jump into our interview with Dr. Chet Kayser. Chet, welcome to the show. Well, thanks, Bob, for having me. It's an absolute pleasure to be on. I've really, really enjoyed listening to the previous episodes. Oh, well, thank you for being a faithful listener. Please spread the word, of course, uh, about our podcast. Um, So you've been at uh, Nationwide Children's Hospital for what, five to seven years, somewhere around there, correct? Maybe longer? I'm yeah, I actually, um, I came at the beginning of 2013, so hard to believe it's already been eight wow. years. Wow, wow. So I know, and you've had a great career trajectory. You've been very successful. You've been promoted multiple times. Just tell us a little bit about your most recent promotion and, and just some of the things you're, you're just generally working on. Yeah, it's, um, it's kind of an organic, been an organic process. Um, you know, uh, here at Nationwide Children's. Most recently, uh, I've taken on responsibility for uh, the home care services and our education um, department here. So community um, patient education as well as interprofessional education. And so currently um, I'm our chief pharmacy officer and then also hold the title of vice president of operations uh, for radiology, anesthesiology, uh, those other departments I mentioned in the Poison Control Center. 
Wow. So I actually had the Poison Control Center report to me at the University of Pittsburgh, and, and I learned so much from uh, those folks in terms of the value that they bring to the community. So it's probably a, quite a challenge in terms of just trying to meet their needs and understanding how we can continue to talk about, um, you know, how we can continue to talk about poisoning and preventing poisoning. So that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, as a, as a young uh, uh, or a parent of young children, I've uh, also utilized the Poison Control Center myself. Uh, so yes. it's always, always helpful when you've been a patient uh, as well as a, uh, as well as kind of an administrator for the area, I think. Exactly. So quite, quite a lot of opportunity for you. And congratulations, Chet, on just children's obviously, you know, uh, seeing the value that, that you bring to leadership. And it's really why I asked you to come on today, which was to talk about uh, a skill set that's extremely valuable to pharmacy leaders, and that is emotional intelligence. And, you know, as you know, um, emotional intelligence is something that every leader needs to understand in terms of, number one, what it is, number two, uh, what, what sort of is their skill, uh, you know, in the, in the area um, um, of emotional intelligence. So, so maybe you could just give uh, the audience just a brief definition from your perspective as to what is emotional intelligence. Yeah, I think the probably the concept um, of emotional intelligence has been most popularized by Daniel Goleman, and I really uh, would I can't think of a better way to define it than uh, some of his his work, which is really thinking about it in a few different domains: uh, self awareness being the first and, and and perhaps most foundational of all, um, and then followed by self regulation. So our ability to control, uh, you know, our, our own emotions and, and our reactions. Um, and then the third domain, some characterize it as social awareness. I think you could, you could also maybe describe it as organizational awareness. And in there is where we can talk about empathy being uh, so, so important. And then maybe the fourth domain, although some people will add more, would be the social skill or relationship management. Um, element of, of emotional intelligence. So those four domains are really where I often uh, think about, uh, you know, the, the definition of emotional intelligence kind of rolling up. Interesting. Yeah, that's so. So from your perspective, you know, obviously trying to remember the four domains and trying to sort of manage them every day as you work, which, which one do you use most often in your job? You know, I think Bill George, one of my favorite authors, says the hardest person you'll ever have to lead is yourself. And so I think um, for me, and maybe for most of us, uh, self-awareness is really where it all starts. Yes. The idea of, you know, do you really know yourself? Um, and is your self-perception accurate or does it resemble others' perception of you? Or perhaps you could consider that your own reputation. You know, and, and so over time, I think the way we develop our own self-awareness is through reflection. You know, right. at the end of the night um, uh, or, or in a quiet moment, you ask yourself, you know, what went well today? Um, be proud of those moments and replicate and grow those moments. Uh, maybe what didn't go so well or, or what do I, what do I uh, how do I know when I'm irritated? How do I know when I'm excited? Mm -hmm. You know, those different types of emotions. And how do you know when you're starting to feel those emotions in the moment, you know, during the meeting? Um, 
so that you can really uh, start to grab a hold of, of that self-awareness. And kind of manage yourself, yeah. I, I personally find myself focusing on the self-regulation piece, uh, primarily because within my organization, and I'm sure within your organization, how you respond to people, uh, specifically in my, within my role, is just more public than you would expect, for example, an online supervisor uh, to be as well. So I, I focus a lot on sort of self-regulation, making sure that my response and my behavior is appropriate for the organization. So uh, for all the listeners you know, on this show, you should think about, uh, as Chet talked about those four domains, think about where are you most of the time? Are you in the self-awareness domain? Are you in the self-regulation? Uh, the organizational awareness domain, whatever, and then think about, you know, how you can, you know, actually improve or understand better how you act in those situations. So you, within your course, uh, Pharmacy 8130, I believe there's an assignment where you ask the students to go and get feedback on how they're perceived by others. Is that correct? Yeah, we do. And it's it's a much more of an informal 360. Um, there are more formal assessments, for example, the Emotional and Social Competency Index or the ESCI 360, um, where you can do those things. But just a few simple questions um, that you can ask others, you know, about how you're perceived. Um, you know, and if as long as those folks feel safe giving you honest responses, you can really learn. Uh, a lot about others' perception of you and whether or not that aligns with your self-awareness. You know, Bob, you made me think, as you talked about living in that self-regulation domain uh, to some degree, you know, once you have the self-awareness and really understand how uh, those emotions are hitting you in the meeting, I think that's really when uh, you can most effectively manage your responses to those emotions. Got so it. Got really it. appreciated uh, you sharing. Yeah. So, it was interesting that that, that assignment actually, uh, the residents, my residents came to me, and was, I don't, can't remember how many years ago it was, but one of the residents came to me and asked me several questions about my perception of them. And what I told them was, you know, when we recruited you as a resident, I thought you would be like the best resident, you know, based on your interviews, your, your paperwork, and you're not a bad resident, yeah, by any stretch of the imagination, but my perception is that you're not living up to your potential as a resident. And it was a very, it was a surprising comment to the resident, but then I tell you what, it was one of the best things because that, that I ever said to a resident, because that resident then became, in my opinion, one of the best residents ever to graduate from our program. So that's just a living and breathing example, Chad, of how feedback and, information about perception can so help people and so you know what i what i love about that example bob is the student or the resident's reaction to it they could have reacted you know in a number of different ways and they chose to internalize those comments and really think about how they could become better uh and, and look how it turned out what yeah i mean events? in fact it was interesting at, as the resident graduated they had said, remember that conversation we had? And I said, yes, I remember the conversation. And uh, uh, they, they really turned out to be an, an outstanding resident. Thanks to your class, your mentoring, and just the information, uh, you know, that you receive, that they receive. Um, 
So let's talk about an example of applying emotional intelligence in a good way. Maybe, maybe an example where something went south uh, as it relates to either you or you know somebody that you know in terms of their failure to recognize some of these domains and emotional intelligence causing an issue in an organization. Are you comfortable talking about some successes and then some places where people stub their toe? Yeah, I mean, I think um, all of us, you know, have moments where, you know, we can we can be better and, and sure. uh, it's important to recognize those moments because that's really how we grow. Um, right. You know, for example, I'll share one of my own uh, as a growth growth opportunity. I was uh, in a meeting presenting um, various needs for the Department of Pharmacy to the, you know, the C-suite, the CMO, CNO, COO, CFO. And, um, you know, in the meeting, the CMO was very highly interested in antimicrobial stewardship and um, continued to kind of probe the issue, the topic. Um, and I thought we had a pretty good response, you know, or, or program. And, um, just asked the question enough different ways to where I, I in the moment slipped in my, you know, my patience just a little bit. And I responded uh, slightly more sharp, like, you know, nothing that you would be, uh, yeah. would be immediately offensive, but definitely not the way that I intended uh, to, to represent the Department of Pharmacy. You know, and, and as soon as, you know, I kind of, uh, you know, as soon as you say those things or have, have one of those comments, you, you reflect and kind of as I'm continuing the conversation thinking, okay, that was, you know, not my ideal moment. And um, what I think is important about that is right afterward, I came down and I, we had a Department of Pharmacy leadership meeting and I told them, hey, guys, I failed you today. You know, I was not mm -hmm. the leader you needed me to be in that moment. And uh, I shared it because I think there's a humanity in that and a vulnerability sure. to that. Absolutely. Um, and I think that creates trust within a team. Uh, and, and also, you know, hey, I, I need to be better and I will be better. And, and um, it, you know, after that, two interesting things happened. One is uh, my boss called me and he asked me how I thought the meeting went, which, of course, I'd already reflected on and shared with him. Uh, and he said to me, um, you know, OK, sounds good. And I said, that's it. And he said, yes, you've already we've already had you've already had the conversation with yourself. Um, and then the second thing was the CMO stopped by my office. And believe it or not, he wanted to thank me for my candor in the meeting. Hmm, and I responded to him and said, like, that's incredibly gracious, but I owe you, I owe it to you to be more respectful in that moment. And, and I could have phrased things better. And, uh, you know, he was, again, very gracious. He didn't, he didn't see it as that. But um, our relationship, uh, the CMOs and my relationship was stronger, even stronger after that interaction mm -hmm. than it was before. Yes, that's amazing. That's a great story. I, I mean, my my story is um, I was uh, when I was at the University of Pittsburgh, I, I supervised uh, one of my managers and uh, apparently made a comment or said something or did something that just irritated them and just angered them. And I didn't real. I just did not realize it. I just didn't realize it. And and, you know, as I dealt with this person, it, it was um, it became obvious that something was not quite right. I mean, I guessed it. I guessed that there's something not right at that. I, I sensed it. And so I sat down with the person and said, hey, what, 
like what what is going on? It seems like you're you're different with me. You're more aloof. You're not as connected. You don't speak to me like you know you used to. And he told me of a situation that angered him, and I I was like I was shocked in that I just number one did not realize that I had done it. But then I did have a conversation, obviously apologizing. And then moving forward, being very, very understanding as to what this person's expectations were around a, a specific topic. And to be quite honest with you, I don't remember what it was, but it was just something that really angered this person. And it, it was probably a couple of weeks that this went on. And it just bothered me so much that I sat down with them. And then it all kind of came to light. And it was a little embarrassing because... Um, I thought to myself, I should have recognized, you know, I should have, I should have recognized this, you know, I should have, I should have known that this, that this, what I said, uh, you know, was offensive, but, you know, sometimes you just don't know, right, Chad? And, and it's, it's hard to know sometimes, you know, if you're offending people, but having that awareness of interaction and coming back and talking about it, just like you did with your CMO is a really an important learning from this podcast in that you've got to be open and frank and you've got to understand that you're going to make people upset. You're going to send the wrong impression. So you need to recognize it and talk about it. Right. And uh, I just think that's critical to, to, to any interaction and, and it really dry. It really, really starts with understanding how people respond to you. So, um, Organizational awareness. Um, is that the same as executive presence, by the way? Oh, that's interesting. Um, you know, I struggle a little bit with the concept of executive presence. I kind of think it's overrated. Um, I do too, actually. But I guess you could say, yeah, I think so in some, in some regards. I think you need to understand uh, how you're being perceived. And then I think you need to understand um, and really um internalize the reactions and feelings of others you know it's it's the concept of are you aware in a meeting how things are being perceived or how they're not uh yeah. are you able to you know when i think about empathy can you really put yourself in someone else's shoes i think for us as pharmacy leaders you know we're not staffing uh on the daily anymore we're not rounding you know uh every day and so our ability to really listen, I, I, that's what I loved about the example you just shared again is, you know, that ability to listen and to put yourself in their shoes and to, um, to, to really emotionally kind of understand how they feel in those moments. Right. Um, that, I think, is social awareness. And I think that allows you to then have a greater organizational awareness. What are the dynamics playing out in an organization? And so much, uh, you know, kind of moves based on the emotion just as much as it moves based on the analytical side of things. Yeah, and it's interesting. Uh, I had a, a really uh, nice podcast with Scott Mark about job loss as a pharmacy leader. And uh, Scott's main assertion was that part of the warning signs of of you and of a person in an organization who may be at risk for their position being eliminated or for them being, you know, cut cut loose, so to speak, 
is a failure to understand those signs, so a failure to be aware of the organizational dynamics. And Scott talks a lot about understanding organizational dynamics. So that, that's really, really uh, a good point. And so we're, we've kind of brought the discussion, Chet, from broad and sort of your role and broadly within an organization. In your opinion, why is it important for a pharmacy leader to have a strong emotional intelligence first and then sort of how can they develop it? Is it a natural skill and those sorts? So first, let's talk about why, why is it so important for us to have a strong emotional intelligence as pharmacy leaders? I think, you know, in healthcare, uh, you're, you're dealing with a lot of really smart people. There's lots of high IQs all right. over the place. And <clears throat> as you progress as a leader, uh, many people are also really productive you know, sometimes individually productive, um, but often, you know, pretty productive. And so I think as a pharmacy leader, you will go from one meeting to the next. And by the end of your day, just like your department, you've interacted with, you know, such a massive breadth of the, of the organization, of the other leaders throughout the organization. And the department of pharmacy is what you represent in each time that you're having those interactions and sometimes it's service recovery you know sometimes it's collaboration sometimes it's innovation and sometimes it's just the ability to listen you know we're um i think you know many times the departments of pharmacy uh you know they're extremely important departments in organizations that can move things along even if we are the informal leaders, maybe not the named champions. And so our ability to have a really high EQ or EIQ uh, is extremely important to continuing to ensure the Department of Pharmacy is an integral element and uh, really considered a positive partner in the change in, in all of our health systems. Yeah, and you're right. We, 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 I once, uh, Dave Zills, as you know, very formidable and outstanding pharmacy leader, in his own right, has always said that the, the pharmacist interacts with every single level of the organization, chief medical officer, chief nursing officer, chief financial. So to do that, you've got to, you've got to understand how people are responding to you. You've got to be empathetic to particularly nursing. You know, as you know, I think I've seen in the past a lot of tug back and forth between nursing and pharmacies because pharmacists aren't empathetic to what nurses have to do. And, you know, mo much of it is around policy and that sort of thing. But, yeah, that's a great point that you make, Chad. It's an amazing point. Um, so is, is emotional, is, is EIQ, is, is, it, is it natural? Is it learned? Is it, is it part of who we are? Can, can it be improved? What a wonderful question. It's one I've asked myself a lot over the years um, and one I've struggled with in terms of how do you help someone uh, develop or advance their emotional intelligence. Um, so I've looked back and, and uh, you know, many times we'll consult uh, various literature. One of my favorite articles comes out of Harvard Business Review. It's written by Annie McKee and, and it's on this topic. And what she asserts, and uh, I've, I've attempted to, you know, employ some of this, she asserts that you have to think of yourself in these situations when you're, when you're going to attempt uh, to help someone develop their emotional intelligence really as, as a coach. Um, and you can only coach somebody if they want to change, if they right. want to improve. So that's kind of the basic, the first condition 
um, to, to, to say, can you develop it? Yes, only if that person wants to. Um, and then how do you most effectively do that? Uh, she asserts that you do it by helping the person to develop a very deep and personal vision of where they want to be or what they want to do. <clears throat> you know, and for some, that can be done on the professional landscape, and, and they'll identify with that, and they'll grab onto it. For others, um, many times, the emotional intelligence limitations they may have are borne out not just in their professional interactions, but also at home, you know? And so, you know, for me, when I think about how can I be a better dad, or how can I be a better son or husband or brother? And, um, and I think about the relationship management elements of it or self-regulation elements of it. Now, my deep personal vision is clear. And now I'm willing to do the work uh, that hopefully I can see. Here's where I want to be. And here's how my current actions may be limiting me from being able to get there. Um, and I, so I think it can be developed. Now, I, but Bob, you know, I'm interested in your reaction on this. I'm not sure if you, somebody who starts, if you say somebody starts on the low end of emotional intelligence, I don't think you go catapulting right up to, no. you know, yeah, I would agree. and there may be some overall limitations in there, depending on how deeply and, and, and intently you're willing to focus on. Yeah. And, and, and I, I would agree. I think there, are, I think, I think that. There are, I mean, let's face it, there are some <clears throat> leaders who uh, will sort of reach uh, a point in their leadership career where, where they really can handle all that they can handle, right? And, and the, their, their leadership acumen, their business skills, whatever, may, you know, may, may plateau and just stop at a certain point, meaning uh, somebody who's a director of pharmacy may not be qualified uh, to be an associate administrator or whatever, you know, you know, some folks just won't be able to pass certain marks, just like it's just like any job uh, performance. I think emotional intelligence is what holds people back. I think the I think the successful leaders I've seen in pharmacy are people who uh, can develop their emotional intelligence, but I, you know, to a point of being an effective leader in a position. But I believe if somebody starts off with very little emotional intelligence, the path is hard. I mean, I have seen that the path is hard. So I think people understanding where they sit and having realistic expectations for how they're going to be able to grow that part of their leadership skills is really important. And that's where the coach and the mentor uh, comes into play. Obviously, we, I would never want to discourage anybody, but I think if, if folks don't have this fundamental background of being raised the right way to be empathetic and understand people, and get along with people and play nice in the sandbox you know all those things that's an, a foundation for growth in the future and i think that people that have low have a that struggle with emotional intelligence issues are going to have a harder road to get to where they need to be so that's just my opinion it may not be a popular one but i've seen it in the past and i'm, I'm curious as to your reflection on that yeah i think so i think that um, oftentimes you see this in self-regulation is where you'll yes. see this kind of yes. uh, be an issue, you know, and, and so it, it takes someone who's, uh, if, if they have those situations or challenges, um, present themselves, it takes someone who's willing to first hear it and, uh, really then think about, you know, is this 
how I want to show up on, you know, in these meetings or whatever. And, and, and some people are just not interested in having those conversations with themselves or others. Exactly. Yeah. I guess that's what I, yeah, that's exactly what I mean. So you're much better at phrasing it than I am. People, there's some folks that just aren't interested in, in, you know, in growing. And, and then those are the folks that, you know, certainly at some point in time in their career there, you know, they'll just be at a certain point. Right. Exactly. And, uh, but I, I will say that, that almost, I would say a majority of the time, that if that folks that even if they may not have a lot of skills in the area do grow and do end up getting very satisfying leadership positions because of their work in that area so it's not all bad is what i'm saying right oh of course not <laughs> yeah so so in terms of the folks uh, listening to this podcast we've had a great uh conversation about emotional intelligence we've talked about the domains we've talked about some of the important domains obviously self-awareness self-regulation organizational awareness social awareness being some being the four domains and being areas that as leaders you need to think about uh, developing uh, more more skills in those areas to become an empathetic listening and socially uh, and really just an aware leader just understanding what's going on with your teams so finally, Chad, you know, you've had lots of experience. You've dealt with our residents. What, what uh, advice, uh, pearls can you give the residents in, a, in the last minute or two of our show? Well, I guess two things come to my mind. Uh, the first is, you know, residents may be thinking about, well, how do I have conversations with somebody? Um, you know, maybe if I am going to try and increase their awareness to something or their emotional intelligence. And you know, one of the things that I aim to do is state intent. I think it's really important, so I would recommend that to residents as they're going to have crucial conversations in the future. If if someone you're about to have a conversation with, even a difficult conversation, if you state why, you know, sometimes I'll say, uh, I would be failing you as a leader if I didn't have this conversation with you. Right. Um, and you have to be authentic. You have to really mean it when you say these things. It's not manipulating the conversation. It's actually authentic and genuine. Um, I think you create a condition where people may be, may be more apt to really hear what you're about to say because you truly have their best interests at heart and in, and, and in mind. Um, so that's the first thing that comes to my mind, just based on this conversation, kind of where, uh, where, where we went. But the other thing I guess I'll say for residents is, you know, and, and this applies even for me in my current role, I think all of us is be observant. When you're on rotations, um, it's, you know, we, we, ha we have the farm academic evaluations and everything else and all these goals and initiatives. <clears throat> but so much of the learning occurs from really watching leaders in action and then asking yourself, how would I manage that situation in the future? What did that leader do that made that work? Or maybe what didn't they do? Why didn't it work? Um, and try and absorb those things uh, so that you're ready and prepared when you encounter similar, similar situations in the future, which they invariably will. Yes, that's, that's awesome advice. Dr. Chet Kayser, Chief Pharmacy Officer and Vice President of Operations at Nationwide Children's. Chet, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show. I, I know our alumni and residents listening to this podcast will walk away with lots of uh, interesting things to think about and 
Thank you again for being on the show and have a great day. Thanks, Bob. It was absolutely my honor. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Leadership Lessons in Health System Pharmacy. And if you found this interview helpful to your own professional development, please do us a favor and share the good news with your colleagues and leave us with a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts each and every week.